0: Um, but yeah, good morning, my name is Katie, I'm one of the children's ministers here at St. Paul's. Uh, and I thought we should start with a little recap of what's been happening in Luke. Uh, as you know, we've been working our way through the Gospel, but it's been a few weeks since we've done anything in Luke. We've had Ascension and Pentecost and all sorts, uh, coronations, things, you know, little things. Uh, so in true TV style, uh, we have a short reminder of what has happened before, hopefully. Previously on Luke... <laughs> John the Baptist was born and he was pretty cool, but a few months later, bam, Jesus was born and he came to save the world. Jesus was presented in the temple, as was the custom, then the action cuts to John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. He then baptises Jesus in a river, which was literally very cool. Jesus toddles off to the wilderness to do some serious fasting and spend time with his dad before heading home where he was rejected by those who knew him. He then goes off on his travels to heal people and drive out spirits, you know, the usual. He calls a group of fishermen and helps them to catch a ridiculous amount of fish before going on to heal more people and forgive their sins. He even eats dinner with a sinner and recruits him to the team. Jesus spends a lot of time teaching his friends and any randomer who strolls by before finalising his fave 12 people, the apostles. He does a load more teaching through stories, mostly about love and faith and Pointing out where people are going wrong before he has his feet washed and oiled by a sinful woman. Absolutely shocking scenes. He then goes off on another tour of the locality and he's just taught people about the sewer and not hiding a lamp under a bed. And that brings us to now. Okay. Nothing worse than listening to your own voice being played back to you. Uh, But yes, so now, Jesus in a a town, we're pretty certain it was Capernaum, uh, and the Bible tells us this from Luke chapter 8. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying, Let's just pause it there for a second. By this point, Jesus already has a bit of a reputation. Uh, He's already annoyed all the higher-ups. The Pharisees are already questioning him. And Jairus was a synagogue ruler. Now, he wasn't paid, but he was chosen by the Jewish people. He was respected, he was well-liked, he was important. It would have taken an awful lot to come to a man he knows is seen as trouble. Jesus stirs up all kinds of danger uh, in that time. I think we kind of forget that these days, because it's like, oh, Jesus, he's so nice. He was a rebel. Think about how much Jairus must have loved his only daughter. He was willing to risk his reputation, his social standing, his friends to save his daughter. He's at the point of desperation, and he turns to Jesus. And to be honest, I think a lot of us can be like that. We forget or maybe ignore that we can go to Jesus anytime about anything. And we save him for times of desperation when we're on our knees and our hearts are cracking from the pain. And absolutely, we should turn to him then. But I don't want us to forget that Jesus also cares about the little things. In fact, at this point in the story, his cloak is touched. And that seems like a really tiny thing. But he feels the power go out of him, and he stops to investigate. Think about how, how Jairus would have felt then. He's come, when everyone around him is telling him not to, to a man he knows can heal the sick. His daughter is moments away from death, and Jesus is calmly stopping to see who touched him, when the crowds around him are almost crushing him. It could have been anyone. It could have been lots of people. The Bible doesn't tell us how Jairus reacts. I like to believe that it means he had such trust in Jesus that he just watched, and presumably presents quite a calm and quiet exterior whilst the drama unfolds before him. But I bet, inside, he was in turmoil. I bet he was praying the sort of prayer I've definitely prayed before. Come on, Jesus, hurry up, do what I want, and do it now. But Jesus, in my experience, rarely does things to our timetable. I mean, fair, he's got several billion people to deal with. It's a shettling nightmare. But in my experience, he does things when I need them, rather than when I want them. It's a difference I am constantly trying to teach my four-year-old. No, you don't need TV straight after breakfast, but you do need to put clothes on to leave the house. It can be a battle, it can be a tension, separating her wants and her needs. But I know it's worth it because one day she'll look back and understand why we did things in a certain way, I hope. It's similar here. You see, Jesus didn't just get distracted by the woman. He stopped to heal her, to demonstrate the power of faith. But he also opened the door to show people how great his power is. Luke goes on to tell us this. While Jesus was still speaking... Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Ouch. <laughs> Way to soften the blow, hey? But what's happening in Jairus' head now? Is he angry with Jesus? Just shattered by his grief? Does he feel abandoned? The people from Jairus' house clearly believe that a dead girl is too big a problem for Jesus to solve. Sure, he can heal them, but resurrect them? Not a chance. Jesus knows how Jairus is feeling. He knows what the people are saying. Listen, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. And Jairus clearly does believe, he does trust, because he continues with Jesus to his house. He takes him to the place where he knows his daughter is waiting, dead. I wonder, would you have that faith? That trust? I'm not sure I would. I'd probably have gone down the angry route. But Jesus and Jairus walk together toward the one thing that Jairus dreaded above all. And look what happens next. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing she was dead. They laughed at Jesus. They laughed at the Son of God, because on the face of it, he's being a bit of an idiot. She's obviously not asleep. Have a think. What are some of the signs that someone is alive? You know, cast your minds back to primary science lessons and Mrs. Nerg, or whatever your acronym was. Or better than that, feel your pulse or the pulse of someone next to you. Check they've not died of boredom during the service. This little girl would not have had that pulse. She would not have been moving or breathing. All things that happen if you're just asleep. And then this happens. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. I love that line. Her parents were astonished. I think that's a bit of an understatement. <laughs> I also love that Jesus immediately cares for the girl. He makes sure she's fed so she can recover and heal. He's not just like, bam, here's your spirit back, I'm out of here. He cares for the whole person. And he does that for us too. He cares for every part of you. But most of all, I love that all it takes is a word from Jesus and she's restored. She's healed. She's brought back for life. And the reason I love this is that Jesus' words, the ones we have in the Bible, the ones we hear or feel when we are praying, are the main connection we have with him now. We have his word, the actual words Jesus spoke. We have those. We can go through life feeling kind of spiritually dead. We can feel down and dejected and a little bit rubbish about everything. We might feel like we don't really have a connection to God, But all it takes is his word and we can come alive again. We can be healed, we can metaphorically be brought back to life. Jairus had hope and faith when all hope was lost. Jesus didn't pause to heal the woman because he got sidetracked, but it gave him the opportunity to show just how powerful his word is. He is the resurrection and the life. He brought Jairus' daughter back to life and he restores us to a full life. It's like the lyrics to that song, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. And the same is true of his word. Jesus, your word is power. Your word is healing, your word is life. If we believe that, if we truly take that to our hearts, if we can show a similar level of faith to Jairus, then when we hit times of desperation, we can face it with the same calm and the same trust in Jesus. And Jesus will walk with us into the heart of the problem, and he will heal us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have your word. We thank you for the power that is in it. And I pray that whatever people are feeling this morning, this week, this month, I pray that they would know you are with them in their problems and you can bring them life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. We are going to.